Kilkenny-based cartoon saloon, a production house that has turned out three animation films, two of which have been Oscar-nominated for Best Animated Feature, and the third, which is eligible for the next round of Oscar nominations. The two previous, The Secret of Kells, an enchanting Celtic myth, led the way in 2009, and in 2014, Song of the Sea, deepening that film's storytelling technique and theme to heartbreaking effect. The latest release, The Breadwinner, which has been screening in theatres across North America and was here in Ottawa recently and will be back in January, takes on a story that wouldn't seem a natural fit for animation. The lives of young girls amid the perpetual turmoil of Taliban-ruled Afghanistan and it turns it into a surprisingly profound story of the power of fiction, the bonds of family, and the weight of history. The breadwinner, it marks the solo directorial debut of Nora Toomey, who co-directed Kells and worked on the story of the sea. And I'm delighted to be able to say we are about to hear from Nora and get some of the background on the wonderful work that has been done in Kilkenny. Nora, welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be on the, on the show. So, um, first of all, again, congratulations on the nomination for the Golden Globe. And you're in screens across the U.S. and Canada. And if anybody didn't catch the recent screening at the Bytown, you'll be back in Ottawa on the 16th and 17th of January, back at the Bytown. The breadwinner, as we said, nominated for a Golden Globe. And um, the story of a young preteen Taliban. What attracted you, Nora, to this particular story? Um, the, 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 the film is based on a book by Deborah Ellis, who's a Canadian author. She's also um, a human rights activist and, and really a tremendous woman who went to the border of uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan in the late 1990s uh, when she had heard of how uh, women and, and young children were being treated there, I guess, as, as, uh, under the, the Taliban regime. So she went to the, these refugee camps and spoke to um, spoke to the inhabitants there uh, uh, about their experiences. And she had the idea to try and uh, write a book for young people uh, in the West to help them try to understand what children have to go through around the world in areas of conflict. So she did that, and the breadwinner was um, published in in 2000, and it's been in print ever since. And um, my uh, colleagues here in Cartoon Saloon had met with uh, um, uh, two uh, producers, two Canadian producers, Anthony Leo and Andrew Rosen, who had the rights to Deborah's book, and they um, they wanted to see if we could do something together with it. So uh, my colleagues gave me the book to read, and I think I read it in, a, in, an, in an evening and absolutely fell in love with the character of Parwana. She's a, an 11-year-old girl who's growing up during this very, very difficult time in Afghan history. But she has um, a wonderful family around her. She's a wonderfully uh, um, flawed and, and human and, you know, funny uh, character, you know, in, in, in ways. But at the same time, she's going through, you know, a, a, a tremendously difficult time. So for me, that was that's what drew me to, to, this, uh, to this film, to, to try and make this film, is to take the way that Deborah Ellis writes for children, uh, for older children. I mean, the book is aimed at, at children from about the ages of nine upwards. Um, she writes in in a way that doesn't talk down to to children. She 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 is quite matter of fact. She's unsentimental, but at the same time, there's a wonderful humanity to her work as well. So to try and uh, continue that on and to try and um, put it on the screen, I guess that's what really attracted me to this 
the story. So, um, so yeah, that's that's how it all began. So, Nora, where a book is taken and put on a screen and a screenplay is uh, written, uh, and actors actresses then bring it to the screen. Does animation give you greater flexibility to accurately interpret what you would have read? Yeah, do you know, I, I think that, that animation is a very collaborative medium. I mean, there was over 300 people worked on this film over four years. Uh, we had lots of people from the Afghan community, both inside Afghanistan and uh, from the diaspora around the world, you know, who, some of whom had left Afghanistan at different decades of, of, of conflict, you know, there. Um, so to be able to get uh, all of these people to input into this into this film and for us all to kind of link hands and tell the story together, I think you can only do that with animation, you know. I mean, live action is its, is its own thing and I very much admire live action uh, live action films, but there's something about animation, I think, that, that allows you to take the time to kind of as accurately as you can portray a story. There's also something about using a style of animation that be the film, which is quite simplified in ways. Um, it... it, it the, the less lines you, you portray a human face with, for example, I think the more that people can identify with a character, the less other it, it feels, you know. So so for me, um, these were, the you know, the uh, animation was such a, a, a tremendous opportunity to tell a story like the like um, with So some of our cast are Afghan as well. So um, all of these stories can seep into, into the film and you can feel the layers of, of, of the story that they're a research period with this with this film, you know, I, um, uh, when talking to our people and to understand the history of Afghanistan, but also the future of Afghanistan. And um, you know, you, you ask uh, ask two people, you know, what they felt the future of Afghanistan was, and you get two very different answers. So we, again, we're we're left with a little bit of um, you know, it was it was a difficult story to tell because we didn't want to be unrealistic about it. We didn't want to make a very kind of you know um, typical animated film where you're used to something happening at the beginning and and everyone to live happily ever after. Kind of, we wanted to um, be as as realistic as we could in one, but be kind of poetic as well about the way that we tell the story and to leave our audience with, with hope. So it was um it was a tall order, but I, again we had uh, you know so many people working between Ireland and Luxembourg and Canada on this film that um. You know, it, it all came together. Laura, would you say then that animation allows you to tell a story that is very painful and that also has many layers on it uh, to it can reach a broader audience? And by I mean a broader audience, I mean from a younger audience to an old audience and be able to appeal to them all, whereas uh, a live action or a live movie uh, may attract a narrower age group. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you know, people tend to expect animation to fit a genre that so you can make, you know, um, family films, let's say, for with animation. You know, so it can be quite a surprise for people when they see that, you know, we, for example, use animation to tell a very different story, even though it is suitable for children, for, you know, for children from about the ages of 10 upwards to, to adults. It still is, it's, it's, it, it can be, you know, it, it, people would wonder why, why do you animate it? But uh, the, the thing is, is that, um, you know, during screenings of this film, I've had people come up to me afterwards and say that they they forgot that it's animated. You know, after a few scenes, they they kind of forgot that the characters are just you know drawings uh, played at 24 uh, frames per second. You know, and that they really um, uh, really identified with the characters in a way that that you can't really I, I think as easily do with with live action. I think that animation access is a particular part of, of human empathy and I think that if we had shown Piranha's story I think in live action it would be really distressing and I think that with films there's always it would like this I guess with a subject matter like this there's always a danger that your audience is going to um, emotionally disconnect and, and watch it from a kind of a safer space let's say in, the, in their own um, hearts and in their own minds I guess 
so for animation, I think, allows your audience to stay engaged and emotionally connected with the characters uh, for longer, and therefore you can get further into a story and you can begin to explore different um, emotions, I guess, you know, with with animation in a way that, that wouldn't come so easily with with, with live action. But it, it just for us, everything about this, this uh, film, the way that we had, you know, we had an Afghan artist called Amanullah Mujadidi who um, spent quite a bit of time in Kabul, and he described to our art directors the, the particular light, let's say, in, in, in Kabul, the, with the way that it comes up in the, in the morning time at that altitude, you know, where we have Kabul um, set in, in, into the mountains, the Hindu Kush. Um, so the way he described it then went, um, so it meant that our, our art directors were able to kind of translate that using their own hands into something that appears on the screen in a way that, that gives you something different, I think, a way of working than if we had, you know, gone there and taken photographic reference or tried to or see what it's like, you know, or what, what Afghanistan would have been like um, back, what, 17 years ago now. I mean, Kabul at the time had 80% of the of the, the city had been destroyed over the, the years of conflict that preceded the the time period that we deal with in the, in the film. You mentioned about the uh, ability to reach the emotional level uh, within something like this and tell the story at a number of levels. Is it a universal story that you can relate? Because in the story, story uh, much of the experiences, uh, while not to the same de degree, uh, could be quite universal. In other words, the attitude to women, uh, particularly in what we're hearing in the Western society and how uh, there has been a lot of harassment and, and uh, situations that uh, th there is not the equality and there is not the respect that one would hope for in our society. Um, so while you're telling a story in Afghanistan that there are aspects of it that are universal. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I think that misogyny has, has many faces and it manifests in many different ways and whether it be very subtle ways as we, you know, might see here in the West sometimes or unspoken ways, I guess, to the more, you know, uh, the very obvious one, I guess, when we look at, uh, at, at something like um, Afghanistan during the, the late 1990s and uh, early 2000s, I guess. So, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's a similar enough theme, I guess, and it's something that women, you know, uh, throughout the world and, and young girls, I guess, throughout the world uh, face in one way, shape or form at some point uh, during their lives. So to be able to um, spend some time with a young girl like Parana and to go through her days and to see that the obstacles that she faces, I guess, for me, I, I suppose the, the most... Um, uh, the, exciting opportunity with this film was was to be able to explore some of these issues in a way that 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 young adults could kind of begin to to question things or, or would form part of a dialogue I guess with with uh, parents or teachers you know um, to just uh, speak about things because I think it's it's a measure of health in a society where you're able to you know uh, um, begin to to speak about about um, past hurts or things that uh, that happen that that uh, um, you know, harm us. I guess uh, that's that's a measure of health. Being able to tell a story is is a measure of of uh, of health because story is is something that that heals. You know, very much. Um, yeah, I mean, there is a very universal kind of um, uh, theme in 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 Piranha's story. It's something that that uh, I'm afraid would go away and won't be something that we'll be looking at in the past. Yeah, it's another form yet, really. Um, you know, it's a certain yeah, film. You know, it's something um, of hope. Uh, you know, it's, it's a film that, that that very much centers hope um, and hope for the future for for young girls like Pravana. But I mean, yeah, of course, it's it's universal. I mean, it's always 
I think women and children are the first to suffer in any kind of society. It's, this film doesn't point fingers at at, um, at any particular group and say, you know, this, you know, and give a really simple answer. You know, the the, the Taliban um, uh, became a powerful force in Afghanistan in part due to, um, you know, they were they were supported by the West during a particular period when, you know, you have all these kind of proxy wars going on in the region where. Um, you know where where people don't have uh, a long-sighted vision and people don't see that that um, you know that that uh, that that uh, you know supporting different groups can cause harm in the future. And you, you can only tell these things in hindsight, I guess. But um, and, you know it's a complicated thing. Honestly, when I was making this film and when I began to research the history of Afghanistan, I almost became paralyzed. I think at, at a certain point, thinking how the you know how am I going to tell the story? How am I going to Make it something that's going to fit in within 90 minutes. How am I going to make it accessible for for young adults and that? But at the end of the day, I just um, looked at the, the character of Parwana, uh, found the things that I had in common with her, found the things as a mother that I have in common with her mother, um, and, and thought of myself uh, as every character in this film, either being their mother or their their daughter or their husband or their brother or you know sister or whatever just to try to feel as much empathy as I could for the characters in the story. And that simplified things uh, a lot for me. I used to, um, when I was making this film, I used to wake up in the middle of the night and go in, into my, my children's bedroom and just lie my head on their pillow because um, it would, uh, again, just quiet my brain down to a point where I could kind of, um, you know, begin to kind of comprehend what I had in front of me in, in terms of making this film. And that became... Um, uh, a visual beat in the film itself, with um, Perona's mother in, in the film lies her head on 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 the pillow just to um, to be with her, her her children and to find that kind of quiet moment. And again, things like that are so universal. It's something that every uh, you know family experiences or anybody who's ever been a child experiences, I guess. So um, so for me, it was about finding those moments and again simplifying, even though. Our film does not to kind of the the the, the ongoing complex situation in Afghanistan. It's also quite a simple story, you know. Nora, the Irish society has changed radically also over the last 20 years. Uh, could you have seen uh, you working, uh, yourself working on something like this 20 years ago? And would the uh, story that you're able to tell and relate through this um, in an Irish context, would it have been different, do you think? 20 years ago, you know, practically speaking, I couldn't because it would have been a much more expensive story to tell animation. It, it, now you can tell, uh, you can uh, create a film that can stand up there next to, you know, the the, the industry giants such as, you know, Pixar and DreamWorks and, and uh, Blue Sky and all of these, you know, amazing companies. You can make a film through a co-production that might have a, you know, a, a tenth of the budget, you know, but you can you can make a film that that can stand there with the with the best of them. Um, you know, with with a with a with a smaller budget. So, if, from that respect, I couldn't have told the story because it would cost a lot more 20 years ago than it than it costs today. Um, but in terms of um, society, I don't know really. I you know, I, I again, I think these things, you know, these questions, uh, they they never go away. I mean, I, I don't take any, anything for granted. I, when my mother was a, was a you know a young woman in her her twenties and thirties. She would have had to when she got married, for instance, she had to um, she had to uh, uh, give notice with her with her job. You could because in in Ireland you couldn't um, you couldn't have a state job and be married. You know you had to uh, you had to um, you know you had to give up your state job. Similarly, uh, you know a friend of mine, her aunt 
uh, was a, a teacher, um, but who never owned her own house, not because she didn't have the money to, to pay a mortgage, but because she had no um, uh, male signatory on on a, on a you know on a mortgage uh, document. You know, so I don't take things for granted. You know, in terms of we're not that far away from women being put into um, uh, bad situations here in Ireland, you know, so I, I think it's something that we can never take for granted because it doesn't take much for things to unbalance again, you know, and, and women, of course, have uh, come, you know, or the, the, the um, uh, human rights women, women have come on uh, a tremendous amount in Ireland, but again, it's, it's, it's something that, uh, that it doesn't take much to empathise with, you know, a situation like... Uh, uh, like Parana finds herself in in the breadwinner, I guess, because it's a uh, it's something that uh, is in living memory, you know. Um, here, in terms of uh, women's um, minds and bodies not being seen as their own, you know. Last week, uh, here in the show, we were uh, covered other voices, and w- the topics uh, was Ireland's Edge, uh, a migrant nation, and uh, at that, uh, Philip King talked about how 17 percent of the Irish population live abroad, they're immigrants, but that 17% of the current Irish population are immigrants, and many of them would be from the Middle East. Uh, In many cases, the changing face of Irish society uh, would, I think, uh, a movie like this help uh, people to better understand some of their new neighbours. I would hope so, yeah. I mean, anything that, that um, you know, puts a human face on, on, on what we consider other, I think, is, is something, you know, that that, that, uh, that should be celebrated. I know in Ireland, um, yeah, we, you know, we have uh, the, the, these uh, direct provision kind of centres around Ireland that, that uh, segregate, you know, people and that in, in, a, in a way that, that's, uh, you know, doesn't uh, leave people with a lot of dignity. And I think that's the kind of something that's... Uh, that's uh, you know an issue here right now. You know, um, some of our animators here in Cartoon Saloon um, helped uh, organise uh, monthly dinners. You know, for people in, in in these centres so that they can meet people in their uh, community and their local communities, and and again just get people uh, talking together, smiling together, eating together. You know, and and I mean this is the the way forward. Really, you know, we live in a you know such a changed world um now um certainly uh, you know ireland is, is a very changed country than it was uh, 20 years ago my own uh, children go to an educate together school you know where again you have people from different um religions different uh, backgrounds you know so i mean it is, uh, I, I think that's wonderful you know i really do i think that um you know at the end of the day we're all human beings the more integrated we are together the more we we respect of course each other's cultures but but the, the more that we integrate and, and 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 talk to one another every day the the more hopeful i would be for for the future you know and that you know again that maybe the next generation wouldn't um you know make the make the mistakes that we made so easily i guess in terms of um of of seeing uh, people from different parts of the world as 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 being other, you know, and, and not looking at what we have in common, I guess, and and, and looking at what separates us more, you know, that's certainly where a lot of the problems um, come from, you know. I think between that and and, and not thinking in uh, you know in terms of the the, the long term picture. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, yeah, I mean that's that I I I think that sounds like the the breadwinner might help children comes to their turn to kind of you know uh, make policies on that so that they might look a little bit beyond the sound bites or a little bit beyond the you know the five term or uh, five year term you know kind of thing in, in terms of um, uh, just you know trying to uh, make sense of this world you know.
Indeed. Well, nor to me, I want to thank you for taking the time and I hope that when they open the envelopes at the Golden Globes that the card that's pulled out has the breadwinner on it and uh, if anybody didn't get the opportunity to see the uh, movie when it was in Ottawa in December uh, mark your calendar for January 16th 4.45pm at the Bytown and also January 17th 4.45pm at the Bytown and I know it will be back again um, Nora Toomey, congratulations and thanks a million for taking the time Thank you very, very much Thank you